Thank you, Brother Gaddy, for leading us in music. Uh, just the gift that the Lord has given to you. That was just so encouraging to be able to hear it. And, and, uh, and your song that you just led us in is actually goes right into our text here today. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to continue on our study in the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. John chapter 14, verse 28 and 29. It tells us in God's Word, you heard me say to you, I'm going away. When I come to you, if you love me, you will have rejoice because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it take place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I recently um, uh, noticed um, several things uh, with children that I noticed. A lot of time when a child doesn't understand what a parent is doing or what a parent tells them not to do, a lot of time a, parent, a child might get a little agitated. And in our words, we say, might say disrespectful. And so a lot of times a child doesn't understand what a parent is doing. When a parent tells us not to do something, be home before the streets lie out. Why would a parent say be home before the streets light out? Because of the danger may be there. But the time, though, a child might say, I want to shoot it one more time. I, I want to throw the football a couple more times. And so for them, they want a few more minutes, a few more hours to enjoy. But the parents say you must come home now because of danger. Another instance, you might be, don't play in the road. Why would a parent or uh, a guardian say not play in the road? Because it's dangerous. A child can get hit by a car or anything like that. But at the time, a child might not understand that. And a lot of times, when a child wants what they want, they don't understand what God is doing. They don't understand what a parent is doing. That's what Jesus is doing in our test here in John 14. In John 14, these disciples... They are wanting Jesus to himself, himself. But if Jesus stayed with the disciples, how would he die for our sins? Jesus must go away. He must be crucified so we can be made right with the father. But the disciples said, no, you must not go away. You know why the disciples saying that? Because the disciples are connected to the plug. Come on, y'all know what a plug is now. So when Jesus been around Jesus, he turned the water into unlimited wine. Unlimited wine. And it was better than, you know, hand and cognac. And there was some good stuff. Jesus turned this stuff. There was a good drink, right? But not only that, what Jesus did, you remember when people was in the area of the Sea of Galilee? I think it was even near Capernaum. And the people were hungry and they could not be comforted. What did Jesus do to them? He fed them. Right? He put them bread and fish. And he was able to feed a multitude of 5,000 people with bread and fish. So thinking about it, as the disciples are walking with Jesus, they don't have to laugh for anything, do they? Not a situation. You remember that woman with the issue of blood? She touched his garment and she was healed. 
I can continue going on with many more stories. You remember Peter? Right? Well, this is a later on story with Peter. When he got the knife and the, the sword and he going to try to cut the man's ear off. And Jesus touched the man's ear and healed his ear. Jesus was a true blood. He was a true connect to the Father. He was a true one that anyone can turn to and trust him. So we would be probably just like the disciples. If we was walking with Jesus, we'd probably be just like them and say, no, Jesus, don't go away. If you go away, all these other things are going to happen. You think about when they was with Jesus, they didn't have to worry. One time they was in a boat. They was crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And they was getting weary. And Jesus appeared to them. And Jesus came to them walking on water. Tell them not to be afraid. He tell Peter to come out and step out on faith. Another story where Jesus was in a boat. He was in a boat asleep. And the wind and everything was going crazy. Y'all know we had some wind here the last few days, a few weeks. It's just going crazy back and forth. And so Jesus was in a wind like this, but Jesus was sleeping. And they was worried. And Jesus woke up and Jesus said, peace, be still. And it calm what? And the storm just calmed down. The disciples didn't have to worry. They didn't have to worry. And so for them knowing now that a parent or and I'm gonna say a parent, well, Jesus is the leader, is gonna lead them. Now they're like, no, you're not going anywhere. And Jesus know how they feel about him leaving. I remember when I was young and we stayed on the west side of town. You guys remember Mad Butcher? We stayed in town on the west side of town off Blake behind Mad Butcher. And my mom, and I was the only one at home. I don't know if my brothers was at at this time, but I was the only one home. And my mom needed to run to the grocery store real quick. And I don't know what the last few items that she needed to get from Mad Butcher. I don't remember what the items were, but she said she was going to be back. But for me being probably three or four years old, I can't remember how old I was. My mom left, but I remember I was in the window crying and crying and crying. I was crying. My eyes was coming down, sister. It was, my eyes was coming down with tears because my mom left me. Even though she told me where she was going and she told me she was coming back. But for me, I knew it was secure when my mom was there with me. I didn't have to worry about anything. This is what brings it to our test today. These disciples were worried. They were afraid. They were afraid that Jesus was going to lead them. And for them, they're not thinking about he's going to return. And so Jesus is right here in John 14, encouraging them. Let not your heart be troubled. A lot of times we see these, read these verses during funerals. But this wasn't a funeral when his actual test was given in John 14. The funeral, I mean, it, it wasn't a funeral. It was actually Jesus getting ready to leave and they didn't want him to leave. And for us, we can see this test can be applied in our lives as well. That we're not alone. When Jesus went to the Father, he gave the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus lets us know in the test right here, though, just like the disciples would not be alone, we would not be alone as well. It says in verse 28, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. Again, these disciples are not thinking about if Jesus is going to come back to them. 
might be for them in their childhood story. They might have had a, a, a puppy, a little dog that ran away before. They might have had a parent, a father or a mother that neglected them. They probably have lost something in the past and they know that thing that they lost never came back to them. And now they're thinking about now, even with Jesus, that Jesus, I know what it means to lose something. And now you saying you're going to leave me. I don't want to lose you. So these disciples right now, they don't want to lose Jesus. Jesus said, I got to go away. I'm going away and I will come to you. Do y'all know anybody in your life that said they're going to do something and they might not show up? I know a couple of them. They say, hey, I'll be there tomorrow. And never came, never showed up. These disciples about have felt that way in the past. So when Jesus said, I'm going to go away, for them, they might be thinking about, well, Jesus might not come back. Even though Jesus' resume has shown that he's always been faithful. So we don't have to question him. So you might have some friends in your life right now that, hey, if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Right. Do you have any friends that's like that? That anything you ask for them, hey, I need you to do this for me. They're going to try their best to do it. And they're not going to complain about it. That's Jesus. Jesus' life is consistent in this. He has always been faithful in what he, did, what he says. But it's different, though. These disciples now, they're comparing Jesus to their friend. They're comparing Jesus to somebody that has let them down. And that's us sometimes. Sometimes we don't trust Jesus because somebody else we know let us down. Sometimes we feel like Jesus is not going to be there for us because we saw somebody else we thought was going to be there and they wasn't there for us. Jesus is different from the people that we meet day to day. He's God. He's perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. He's a faithful God. But at the time when we get weary, family, we look at the test results, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. When we look at these things, we get weary. Waiting on that phone call from a family member to tell us good morning. A lot of times in life, we get weary when things doesn't go our way. A lot of times we feel like we're alone. Have y'all felt that way before? Feel like you can't trust anybody? Family. Jesus has done, he hasn't done anything for us not to trust him. We can truly trust him. He's that faithful friend when no one else is faithful. He's that consistent friend when no friend is consistent. He's one that you can call upon. So when he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So these disciples, though, and just like us, we know Jesus is a good God. We know he's faithful. But these test results ain't adding up. So a lot of times, it's not about Jesus' faithfulness. It's our unfaithfulness. It's us. At times, we put the same label on Jesus that we, that, that we get from other people. But Jesus is faithful, family. And he's telling the disciples that he's going to come back again. And they might not understand it. He's going to come back. 
And Jesus goes on to say, if you love me, you, have, will, you will have rejoice. And they're like, hold on, Jesus. You're going to leave us and you're telling us to rejoice. Again, they don't understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus must go away and be put to death and be raised again. Because if Jesus doesn't go away, family, we die in our sins. And we die in our sins, we go to hell. So we need Jesus to die for our sins. So he must go away. They didn't understand this. Going back to how I started here in this message. A child might not understand a bus is coming down the road. When a parent says, stop, don't go into the street. And that bus drive right past them, that child is saved at that moment. A lot of time, a child might not understand what is happening. In the same way, the disciples don't understand what Jesus is doing. Only thing they're hearing is that Jesus is going away. But now, like that child now, that child can rejoice because now they didn't get hit by the bus. Because the parents said stop. Family, the disciple Jesus saying, you should be rejoicing right now. I'm going away so I can save you. I'm going away to have a better life for you. I'm going away so your life can be transformed. That's why I'm going away. Rejoice. Rejoice means celebrate. It's over a cell emotions of happiness. That's not conditional. Rejoice and the word joy is a word that comes from the same particular root. When someone has joy, joy is different from just happiness. Joy is unconditional. Joy is something that's a, it's a state. That's why I tell the Philippians. It said rejoice always. I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Paul wrote the letter of Philippians when he was in jail. He was in jail and wrote it and said, hey, rejoice. He was rejoicing while he was locked up. And so for us, Paul is saying we have so much to rejoice about what God has done for us. But a lot of times we find so many small things to complain about, don't we? We fuss about the smallest things, don't we, at times. But the scripture says right here we must rejoice and be thankful for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He has given us eternal life. He has given us his son. He has given us blessings. He has given us the Holy Spirit. Family, we have so many things to rejoice about this morning, don't we? And also we can rejoice. We can look at each other. If you see me this morning, that means you are alive. So we can rejoice in what God has done for us. So Jesus is telling his disciples that, hey, if you knew I was going away, you should rejoice and be thankful that I'm doing what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to come and I was going to die for my people. And I'm going away to do that. This time rejoice. But right now, I'm seeing you disciples are so heavy hearted right now. It's not a time to be heavy hearted. It's time to rejoice because God is faithful. He's faithful when no one else is faithful. And he goes on to say rejoice because I'm going to the Father. The Father is greater than I. He said rejoice because he's going to the, the Father. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. He's going to be in the grave for three days. Then the Father's going to raise him back up. 
When that happened is, is that death, that old ancient disease that came about in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, death came into this world. Remember God told them in Genesis 2 and 2, 15 and 17, he told them that, hey, if you eat upon the tree, you shall surely die. Death came into the world. And that disease of death has spread all throughout the world now. But what Jesus did, he did something so unique. Jesus died, but you notice the grave couldn't keep him in. He died, but the grave couldn't keep him in. What we learned in that, because the grave couldn't keep him in, Ms. Melody, is that Jesus had dominion over death. That Jesus had dominion over death. Death did not rule over him. And Jesus actually, in that moment of his resurrection, that death doesn't rule over him, he let us know that sin will not rule over us as well. And that one day, he will make all things new. No more pain, no more suffering, no more arthritis, no more sickness. Everything will be made new forevermore. How many of y'all looking forward to that day? No more pain to suffer, no more cancer. No more hurt. No more loneliness. That will be over. We will be able to gaze upon his glory forever and ever and ever But our new bodies. My, my hairline kind of receding. When I get to heaven, I'm going to get that new hairline. You know when they get the little black eyes now, y'all? My hairline will be better than that when I get to heaven. So family, we're going to get all things new when we get to heaven. And Jesus knows this because Jesus was raised. He overcome the grave. Letting us know that for us, as the bride of Christ, since Jesus overcome the grave, family, we will overcome the grave as well. And that's what happened when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have been baptized before? So you've been baptized when you go into the water? That means you're dying to your old self. And when you come back up, you come up in newness of life. And so as you became a Christian in Jesus, you died to your old ways, how Christ died. But Christ was raised up, family, we was raised up, and now we are new creatures in Christ. The old has passed and new has come. We are new creatures in Christ because of the resurrection of Christ. So Jesus goes to the Father. As he goes to the Father, he tells us already early in John 14, he goes to the Father to prepare a place for us. And he said the Father is greater than him. This similar, similar, uh, this language, he said, Father is greater than him. It's the uniqueness of the personhood of the Godhead. For example, I love my wife. I'm the head of our house. But my wife is just as important as me. I'm not better than her. I'm not greater than her in a way of strong. I mean, I'm not greater than her as I rule the house. Everybody listen to me. We're in this thing together. But I probably, in the sense of leading the home, I graciously wash my wife with the word. I lead my family. You know, I, I, I help my family. I read the word to my family. I do all these things to my family. And my wife is there to serve. She's my helpmate. She helped me in, in times of my weakness. Even though she's my helpmate, and even though I'm leading the home, that doesn't mean I'm better than her. That doesn't mean I'm greater than her. We still are equal within a, in a unique relationship. We just have different roles. 
We have different roles. In the same way with the father and the son, the father is the one that, that put together this grand plan. And the son was the one to actually work out this plan coming into, uh, coming into flesh. So the father and the son are equal, but the son actually does the father will. And so family, Jesus goes to the father. He said, the father is greater than I. That doesn't mean, again, that the father is just so much up here and the son is down here. That the father and the son just have different roles in what they do. He's the father and this is the son. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, rejoice, I'm going to the father. He going to the father, so what? So he can come back and get them. We notice from the rest of this, verse 29, and now I have told you before it take place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. So Jesus goes on to say, hey, I'm telling you right now that I'm going to leave. I'm going to the Father. When I go to the Father, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I go to the Father, I'm going to come back to get you. And Jesus goes on and says, so that you may believe. Jesus has already proven himself all throughout his ministry. Why is he still doing it again? So I may do this or you may believe. Have you ever took a kid or someone to the store? And you might tell them, hey, we'll get a piece of candy. We'll get something before we leave. And a child might say, I want it now. You might say, hey, we'll get something before we leave. Tell them again. Tell the child again. I said I was going to get this for you over and over again. You have to keep telling that child that. Because in that moment, that child is not believing you. Because a child is so blind about what they want right now. So you tell the child over and over that, hey, I'm going to get this for you. You might get to the point, hey, don't ask me no more. But Jesus, he know we are needy people. He know we are afraid at times. So Jesus still do things so we may believe. Again, when he turned the water into wine, when he done these many miracles, he done these things so they may believe. So family, we are similar to children, aren't we? <laughs> A lot of times we need to be reminded about what God has done for us so we may believe and be encouraged by our Lord. So Jesus tells them that, hey, that when it does take place, you may believe. Family, do we believe him this morning? Do we believe what Christ has done this morning? He's in the heaven with the Father right now. He has sent the Spirit. When we are faced with so many difficulties in this world, do we believe? If we truly believe and face some difficult things in this world, Family, we know everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because we know he's doing something good that we might not understand. The same thing for all of us in this morning. Our God works in mysterious ways. And we can trust him. Even we don't understand what he's doing. So do you believe this morning? If you believe, you trust him. 
You trust him forevermore. You trust him. You trust him because he went to the Father like he said he was going to go. You trust him because he's going to prepare a place for us. Again, the disciples had a hard time trusting him because of their own belief. So family, this morning, as we get ready to finish up, don't let your own unbelief cause you not to trust the Lord. The Lord is not the problem. Our God is faithful. Our God is good. Family, it's our own hearts are the problem at times. We the ones, Lord, we the one that don't trust the Lord at times. The Lord has done everything he said he was going to do. So he's faithful, isn't he? If you believe the Lord is faithful, raise your hand. If the Lord is faithful, then why do we have a hard time believing him? Tell me, believe him. We have a hard time because of the flesh is so weak. And the flesh give in. He's not going to do it. I've been sick for three days. I haven't got a phone call in three days. My, my bank account has been empty for three days. And I've been praying to God. And it seems like he's not answering. That's how the disciples felt. They wanted God to work right now in this instant. Family, he's God. He works on his own time at his perfect time. And I'll tell you what. A lot of time I wanted God to work and do things. A lot of time was the worst times ever. I was being selfish in that moment. I think about even in early relationship before I met my wife. I'm glad the Lord held me back so for me to re-meet my wife, right? That I met my wife is the most amazing, beautiful person in this world. But the Lord, if he would have gave me what I wanted at that time, I would have been a mess. But the Lord worked on his own time and gave me my wife on, my own, on his own perfect time. So don't be mad at the Lord if he don't work when you want him to work. Because a lot of times when we want things, it's not the best time. It's not the best time anyway. We should want our desires to line up with God's desires. We should want things when God wanted to give it to us. Let that be us here this morning. Let us trust him. Do you trust him this morning? Do you trust him this morning? If you trust him, raise your hand. And if you trust him, you trust him for the rest of your days. And don't let nobody in this room, nobody in Trinity Village, nobody in Pine Bluff, nobody in Arkansas, nobody in the world try to get you to not trust the Lord. You trust him during the hardest time. So I don't know when my God going to show up, but he's going to show up right on time. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for y'all.